All right, welcome back to the deep press. Cincinnati, whoa, 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 whoa. Run it back, run it back. Wow, I messed up my own intro. And we are back. Welcome back to the, another episode of the deep press Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse. I'm already screwing up already, but it's all good. On this podcast, we're going to preview the 2023 Cincinnati Bengals football season. And I'm doing it with my guy, Tommy, who is back on the podcast for a second straight week. Tommy, how's it going, my guy? Good, Jesse. Thanks, as always. And we might have to think about changing the name of this podcast, huh? You've been asking me about that. And I told two people, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be the third person, that if the Bengals or any of the sports teams in this city win a title, then I will change the title of this podcast. Is that I kind like of that. fair? Okay. That's a very, that's a perfect rule. Yeah. I just, like, I'm not, de- I'm not depressed. I am just, uh, where, what's the state of me right now when it comes to my teams? I am very, I'm enjoying this, but I am still not getting my hopes up. That's pretty much where I'm at right now. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. Exactly. Yes. I love that. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I am. Cautiously optimistic. All right. So let's get through this preview. All right, we got the Bengals, man. This year, new season. And, like, last year, I was very nervous just because we were coming off a Super Bowl where we lost. We should have won. And then with just high expectations like ever before in franchise history. And I'm just going to do a short recap of last year. Okay, the Bengals, they went 12-4, and second straight AFC North title, first time in franchise history that a Bengals team went back-to-back North titles. They ended the regular season on an eight-game winning streak, defeated the Ravens in the wildcard round in dramatic fashion, and then smacked the Bills in snowy Buffalo the next week in the divisional round. And then, unfortunately, they fell to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. for the, They played the Chiefs for the second straight year in Kansas City for the championship game, losing 23-20 to in the last seconds. Now, here's a short recap of what the Bengals did in the offseason. They needed to do something that off the line, and they got somebody from the Chiefs. We took the Chiefs boy and brought up to the Bengals, and that is offensive tackle who's going to play left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., who the Bengals signed to a four-year deal worth $64 million, including a $43.5 million guaranteed. Wild. And then, unfortunately, Von Bell and Jesse Bates left in free agency. So the starting safety team will be challenged this year. The Bengals did sign Nick Scott from the L.A. Rams. And second-year player Dax Hill, the team's first-round pick last season, will be in a starting role in year two. And then Logan Wilson signed a well-deserved extension. And then Trey Henderson, my guy to lead the league in sacks this season, <laughs> signed a new deal <laughs> to keep him in Cincy until 2025. <laughs> and then Joe Mixon, off-the-field drama is out of the way, finally. He took a pay cut, and he's all about helping the team win. Team guy, that's why he was voted captain again this year. And then replacing Hayden Hurst, who went to the Panthers in free agency, will be tight end Irv Smith Jr., who the Bengals signed from the Vikings. And then Joe Burrow's cap injury that happened on July 27th. That was scary, but he's recovered, and he's going to be starting on Sunday. Well, Zach Taylor did not say that, but... All signs point that Joe Burrow will be the starting quarterback on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. All right. Now I got that all the way. Let's answer those questions. All right. You got anything to add before 
you know, we get through these questions. Nope. Perfect recap. Yeah. Last year was, man, that was a fun year last year. It mm, just really that AFC title game. Like I'm over it, but it's still, it still pisses me off because we played a C minus game. We should have won the game. Anyways, let's go to the questions. All right. So with Joe Burrow's calf injury, Will Joe's injury set the Bengals off the line back a few games like last season? I'll go folks or first. Can't even speak today. <laughs> I don't think so. Because you got Ted, you got Cordell, you got Jonah moving to right tackle, you got Orlando at left tackle, and then you got Axe Kappa. Other than Brown Jr., all are familiar with playing with each other. I don't think it'll be a mess like last season, because the first two games. You had a new ramp line that had to go up against Trenton Jordan Watt. I'm not calling him TJ. That's his, that's not his government name, okay? And then in week two, you went up against Micah Parsons. Like, that was just – I wish I would have, like, before I started the season, I should have just known, like, O-line, new O-line. There was going to be bumps and bruises and playing against the Steelers line and the Cowboys line the first two weeks. Uh, that, that wasn't uh, – just did not like that. And then, however, they will be tested this season. We're going up against Miles Garrett on Sunday, who has given Burr and the line fits in the last three seasons. And then week two with the Ravens, who have always had one of the best defensive units in the league when they're healthy. So I think they'll also here. And even though Joe Burrow did miss, what did he miss, like six weeks with the injury, I think that the calf injury – it's not as worse as an as abdomen injury because with that last year, he had to get back to just, you know, he needed to gain some weight because he lost weight because of the surgery. With the calf injury, he just needed to rest that muscle. He still was able to do his, his lifting weights. So I think he's good. I think that they'll be okay. We'll see, on, we'll see on Sunday against Cleveland and against Baltimore, two games against two division opponents that are really stingy on defense. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was last season what do you think yeah my opinion is i hope not and (laughs) i the first piece that i wrote down about this is we struggle with the browns a lot we're really giving them a true test with miles garrett and that defense right off the bat in in cleveland then we have ravens week two so they're getting a tough test early on I know that we struggle with the Browns sometimes, so it wouldn't be the craziest thing if we started 0-2 this year. But even if that happens, there's zero reason at all to panic about that. It's totally fine. Easy. We have a bunch of slam dunks later in the year. We get to play the Rams, the Cardinals, the Texans, and the Colts, which are four that we should basically win by 20. And either way, I don't think we're going to necessarily go 0-2. But if we do, there's no reason to panic. If we get set back a little bit at the beginning, we have a really more comfortable slate of four games before our bye week. We get the Rams at home. We get the Titans, who sometimes, you know, in the playoffs a few years ago or two years ago when we played them, they had eight or nine sacks. But so they'll, they'll get a test there, too. But then we have Cardinals, we have Seahawks, then we have a bye week. So we have a little time to stumble a tiny bit from the offensive line perspective, but I really think Orlando Brown Jr. is I'm buying into the hype. Last year I bought into the hype of Lyle Collins a little bit. I didn't think he would be insanely good, but I thought he would be 
a little better than I think he played. I, he had a good year, but I was expecting it to be to be better. And I think Orlando Brown is going to have a really awesome season and start to solidify that left tackle spot so that Joe Burrow isn't constantly worried. And as Zach Taylor pointed out in one of his press conferences, Joe Burrow has a very healthy body. So I'm assuming that he should be just fine. Joe Burrow is, if nothing else, he's poised and he's cool under pressure. And so even if there's a little bit of craziness with the offensive line that may have set us back, he will find ways to adapt, move around in the pocket. And look, the Bengals, it seems like the last two or three years, ever since we got Burrow, we always lose one or two games per year that we really shouldn't. Or, yeah, the truthfully just that we shouldn't and like the Mike White game half the time we play Cleveland when the Cowboys had Cooper Rush and that was the last two seasons alone so it's like we're probably going to lose some games that we aren't expecting to that we shouldn't and some of those may be because of the offensive line some might not and I think there's no reason to panic if we lose those couple games because we always seem to find our heat at the end of the year and get really hot get that chemistry right in the time when you need it and if we're good to go for playoff times or playoffs, then I'm okay with stumbling if it happens, but I don't think it will. <clears throat> yeah. I just don't want to start Owen to this year because the first two games of this season is against the division. And if you want to win a division, you got to win those division games. And I, I want the, if okay, at worst scenario, like if they go 0 and 2, and then Baltimore's, Baltimore's schedule is very easy to begin with, other than they play us in the second game. But if they beat us, and it's like they have the upper handle so far in the division, if we do end up going 0 and 2. So at, I want them to be, I want them to go 2 and 0. 2 and 0 is very likely. 1 and 1, I won't be too mad about it, but. I, I hear what you're saying about they catch fire at the end of the season, but I'm not with the going 0 and 2 and being like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna panic. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to panic. It's just these are division games, man. If you want to win a North for the third straight year, one of the best divisions, well, I think it's probably the best division in the National Football League. You gotta win these games. That's Agreed. what I think. And I think my short answer really is that the offensive line will do great, I'm hoping. And even if they struggle a little bit out of the gate, it's okay because we'll figure it out because we always do. And Joe Burrow has taken us to the Super Bowl while getting sacked about 100 times just in the postseason the last couple of years. And so as long as Burrow does not get hurt from the offensive line struggling out of the gate, if they do, I don't, I'm not saying they will, but if they do, as long as Burrow isn't hurt, I think we're just going to be just fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. And uh, I like Orlando Brown Jr. Is he like the greatest left tackle? No, but whew, we needed somebody just to protect Joe Burrow's blind side. Jonah wasn't doing it. And I think Jonah going to right tackle is going to help him a lot. And I think, you know what? I'm rooting for Jonah to have a really good year. It's probably going to be most likely his final season as a Bengal. So he's playing for a contract somewhere else next offseason. So I'm rooting on for Jonah. And I'm really going to be watching Orlando Brown Jr. on Sunday. Like, I know everyone else with Jonah, Kappa, Cordell, and Ted. 
my eyes on Jonah. Not, I'm sorry. My eyes is on Orlando Brown Jr. I'm watching him, and I'm just going to see how he performs in a big test with Miles Garrett. Mm. Can't wait. And all right, I'm go ahead on that with Orlando Brown. I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be insane, but even if he has a good or pretty good year, no matter what, he's going to be an improvement from the last couple of years. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, next question. How many touchdown passes Joe Burrow throws this season? I said 30-plus, and I'll give you guys the number. 35 touchdown passes. And, man, I just have a feeling that Joe's out to prove a lot of people wrong this year. I know. Joe Burrow has doubters. Yes, because there's people out there on social media, the casual fans, as we all call them, they just think that Joe Burrow is, quote unquote, they say he's good because of his wide receivers. Joe Burrow, yes, he has Jamar Chase, top three receiver. T. Higgins, top 10 receiver. Tyler Boyd, one of the best slot receivers in the league. But Joe, Joe Burrow leads that offense. And he doesn't throw the football, but he's also a sneaky good runner. Now, I don't want him to run the ball because, you know, the risk of injury. But Joe Burrow, he puts the balls in people's hands just like pause like it's just right there like he's just one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league and uh, i don't know why people just continue to doubt this man and he has a very good shot in winning mvp this year so i say 35 touchdowns i remember last year during our season preview podcast you said 40 touchdowns the eight interceptions type of ratio am i correct on that that's right. And it's the same this year. That's my guess. I'm going 40 again. He's going to do it. Last year, he, the appendectomy messed him up a little bit. So, I mean, he threw four picks against the Steelers and they were like back to back to back plays. It was terrible. Yeah. But regardless, I, I'm going with 40. The last few years, two years ago, he had 34. Last year, he had 35. And Nothing that's happened since we drafted him has made me think that Zach Taylor is going to run the ball like New England. So I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to throw a lot of touchdowns. And we have, like you mentioned, an incredible receiving core, probably the best in the league. There's maybe one or two you could argue, but regardless, I would say tied for first at the very least. And everyone... Of those three main guys, so Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, Chase is a big play threat every time he touches the ball with yards after catch. T. Higgins can get just about any jump ball I've ever seen. And Tyler Boyd is a really good slot guy that can take it to the house too. So there might be a lot more touchdowns run in this year than we've had in past in the past. I feel like all of the really big plays we've had in the past couple of years are deep bombs to chase, and there will be plenty of those too. But I have a feeling Zach Taylor is going to stick on the trend that he's been doing recently where we throw the ball basically all the time. And maybe we'll actually start to use some of these running backs that we have on our roster out of the backfield on pass plays too. And I'm saying 40. I think the my guess is... His interception count will be less than 10 as well. Okay. Okay. I will say the interceptions for him will be around the 11, 12 range. 
Like, he'll take some chances, but Joe Burrow is one of the most smartest NFL quarterbacks. So that week one performance against the Steelers, you will not see that ever again. And I hope not. That was just – that was a mirage. Like, I didn't I didn't know who that quarterback was, but he was coming back from an aptodectomy surgery. <laughs> he was rusty. Also – we still almost won the damn game. Oh my god! Don't get me started with that game. Four picks, and he's we still almost won. And you know what? He played so shitty in the first half. When the second half, he looked like the, he looked like his old self. Like just yeah. one bad half he had, and it's just unfortunate it happened in the first half. But in the second half in overtime, he made some clutch throws. Oh, they should have won that game. And obviously, that's the exact kind of quarterback that I want and that we have with him is. It doesn't matter how horribly you've played. If you still are in a chance to win the game, mm-hmm. he's still going to do everything he can and pretend like he's thrown zero interceptions all day, which is awesome. Yep. Yeah. What yeah. We're-, we're blessed. We're blessed with that, man. We don't we don't deserve him, but actually us Bengals fans, the OGs, we do deserve them. <laughs> New Bengals fans, I mean, I'm glad they're in the bandwagon, but us OGs like me, and you, we, we deserve a quarterback like Joe, man. So I'm excited for Joe this year. Knock on wood, no more injuries, none of that, no setbacks. I'm not, no, no, no I'm not trying to deal with that shit. I'm uh, just for his sake. Jesus. All right, next question. Is Irv Smith Jr. going to be Burr's best tight end he's had in Cincinnati? I say yes. And the difference between Hayden Hurst, who, who Joe Burrow had last year, and then CJ Uzama, is that Irv is more athletic. Irv does not look like a tight end. His body is built like almost like a receiver. And I believe that injuries did set him back in Minnesota. No disrespect to Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I like Kirk Cousins, but obviously was throwing the ball more than Justin Jefferson. Duh, best receiver. One of the best receivers in the league. Yes, I'm saying that Jamar is the best, but that's just, that's just me. But anyways... <clears throat> I didn't think Irv got a lot more chances. And this is what Joe Burrow does with tight ends. He gets them paid in the offseason. So next year, Irv's going to get paid because that's what Joe does. He makes those tight ends that are, you know, decent, and then they get paid in the offseason. Did that with Hayden Hurst and Uzama, and I see that with Irv. What about what do you think? <clears throat> I also think that he can be. I think he will be as well. I'm – I mean, he – I I believe that Irv Smith is going to have a career year for himself, and even to do that wouldn't be anything crazy statistically, but right. if he had 500 yards receiving and six touchdowns, which in our offense is not an insane stat line, that would be his best statistical season for any tight end, both in yards and touchdowns, that Joe Burrow has ever had. The most he's had was CJ Uzama in his second year where he had 493 yards and five touchdowns. So Hurst mm. was more talented and athletic than Irv Smith Jr. is, but I can envision Irv Smith being a super helpful red zone target and somebody that can just get those middle of the field, move the chains kind of plays, which at the end of the year could easily amount to 500 yards and six TDs, which would be the best statistical year. And so whether or not from a talent or athleticism perspective, he would be the the true best. I 
would say that he will have the best statistical season. And if you look at the the two tight ends that Burrow has had in his three years in the league so far, year one was Drew Sample was the leading receiver for tight ends. Still on the team. Uzama, only with eight catches the whole year. Year two, he had CJ Uzama, which was that year I just mentioned. And then he had Drew Sample again, who <laughs> was a little lower down. And then last year was Hayden Hurst and Mitchell Wilcox. So it's just like there haven't been any, no disrespect, no super good tight ends available. Hayden Hurst had a really awesome year. I liked having him, but I'm I'm saying yes. I think he'll have his best year for Burrow as a tight end. Yeah, those are all good points. I, I liked Hayden Hurst last year. He was more of that tight end that will catch the ball and then he'll give you those extra yards, like just pushing the pile or just trying to truck a cornerback and he'll get up and start screaming. Irv is that tight end that is more of like, I'm going to just get those extra yards of using my speed as a tight end. I think he's more explosive, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm excited to have. I'm I'm sure that he is excited to have a change of scenery, and I, I mean, our team is a great fit for him. I think absolutely. He's he's been having a good attitude all camp, and he says that he loves that when Joe Burrow throws throws him the ball and stuff that is just like on point and just accurate and, and stuff, and. Irv's really determined to have a good year. He wants this team, obviously, to win the Super Bowl. So he has the right attitude. He definitely fits in the locker room. Perfect chemistry guy. And looking forward to seeing what he does in his first season in Cincinnati. All right. Next. Projection stats for year three of Jamar Chase. Here's what I said. I said 168 targets for Chase, 110 catches. 1,430 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. Yo, I, man, I, I still, why do people still don't give Jamar Chase the love like Justin Jefferson gets? I, it doesn't make sense. And Jefferson's playing in Minnesota. I mean, that's not his fault. And he's playing like he's, he's in the ball thrown to Kirk Cousins, who is, not a bad quarterback. I'm not saying that. But obviously, Joe Burrow's better. And I don't understand why Chase doesn't get more love. I mean, did you see the NFL top 100 list this season? <laughs> yeah. I think Jamar was number 39. Low. 39? And last in, in his rookie year in 2021, he was number 21. And then he drops... 18 spots down just because he missed four games because of an injury. And he still had over a thousand yard receiving last year. It don't make sense. And I think Jamar Chase is going to ball out this year. If he doesn't get hurt all year, watch out. I think year three of Jamar Chase is going to be special. Now I said that year two of Jamar last year was going to be special. Unfortunately he got hurt, but he still had a really good season. If Chase stays healthy this year, mm. You can make the case that he is the best receiver in the league. I believe he is, but you know everyone's on Justin Jefferson, which duh, I like. I like Justin. He's great. I just think Jamar Chase is different. 
He's he's a once in, he's a once in a generation type of receiver. Him and Justin, obviously. So, yeah, my stat projections are pretty similar. I have less catches than you do, but close to the same in the yards and the touchdowns. So his rookie year, when he played in all seventeen games, he had eighty-one catches, fourteen hundred and fifty-five yards, and thirteen touchdowns. Last year, only played in twelve games, still had six more catches than the previous year. 1,046 yards, nine touchdowns. My guess is the catches are going to increase a little bit. The yards will decrease just slightly from his rookie year because I don't believe that he's going to get quite as many one-on-one deep route balls as they let him have for whatever reason his rookie year. But Mm. I'm still guessing 90 catches, 1,350 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Okay, okay. That's that's pretty that's pretty good. That's pretty good. How many targets do you think he's gonna get? <clears throat> you had a guess. Still still a little less than your guess. His targets were 128 and 134. We didn't really change anybody in the receiver room that would steal a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. I would say one. Oh man. I mean, he got 134 targets in 12 games last year. That's still That's wild, though. Eleven a game, and so it's like, <laughs> I'm, I, I'll say one fifty. Okay. Okay. Some okay. of these, some of these rookie receivers that we brought into the room might steal a few targets. Not steal, but a few more targets and catches are going to go their way than maybe we had. We had less deep of a roster in the wide receiver room last year after the the big three. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we added a little more depth, it might. That's why I'm not projecting, you know, 1,700 yards. <laughs> if he was the only receiver on our team that was any good, I would maybe do that. But 1,350 is still insane for someone who has T. Higgins on the roster. Right, right, right. You mentioned the other receivers in that depth room for the receiver. You got Trent Irwin, and then you got Andre Yoshibis, the Princeton guy who the Bengals drafted in this year's draft, who had a really great training camp, <clears throat> had a great preseason. And I think he's going to be sneaky good. So he might take some catches, maybe, maybe. But you got Irv coming into the team, so he might take some catches. But even even then, I still think Jamar Chase is going to ball out this year. If he stays healthy, watch out, world. And I'm being dead ass on that. <laughs> watch out. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, next question. Who on the defense will be a sneaky good player this season? And what I mean by sneaky good player, I mean like not like Trey Henderson, Sam Hubbard, Mike Hilton, Chinandua Wuzier, who is crazy that he's going to play in week one on Sunday after tearing his ACL against the Browns in Cleveland, ironically, going back to the place where he tore his ACL on Halloween night last year. So good for Cheeto. Glad that he's coming back. I'm not talking about those impact players. I'm talking about a player that, that is, you know, we don't talk about as much and that could make an impact this year. I said defensive end Cam Sample. And so far in his career, he has 39 total tackles, three and a half sacks. And you're probably saying, well, that's not really a good sample side, Jesse. No pun intended. I'm just saying that last year, while Cam Sample did get on the field, do create some pressure. He's very solid in the run game. And I just, I don't know. I think this year he might play a bigger role. 
And I just think that this year, you know what, Cam Sample, you're going to hear his name a lot. Maybe if he gets like, you know, two, two and a half, three sacks, I count that as a successful season for him. So Cam Sample, a guy to just keep an eye out during the season. Okay. I had one, one answer that's kind of cheating and then one real answer. Okay. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We can do that. My cheating answer is saying someone like BJ Hill because okay. he's not I mean on our defensive line, we have Hendrickson, we have Hubbard, we have DJ Reader who gets a ton of attention in the middle. But BJ Hill does the dirty work in the middle there and when DJ Reader is maybe more of a a stout run stopper and gets through the line a little bit easier than BJ Hill might he just eats up blocks. He stops the run. He makes it a lot more difficult to get through the middle. With, I, And I feel like, not saying it's cheating necessarily because he's not one of the big three that are on the off the defensive line there, but he, he does get overshadowed a little bit by DJ Reader as he, I mean, I can't blame him for that. DJ Reader's insane, but because we don't talk about him a ton, and he does the dirty work that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, I think he can help us a bunch, especially against the teams that are going to run the ball a lot and try to do things up the middle. I think he's going to help us out a lot. So that's one. And then the other answer I have is Nick Scott. And he came in and it wasn't viewed as a blockbuster signing or anything like that, but he fills in at a very, very important spot, knowing that we have both of our starting safeties from last year out of Cincinnati now. And so he's going to fill in and be a leader, especially because Dax Hill is in his first year starting at the other safety spot. And so he might have to be a lot more involved than he was when he was in LA. And he might have to be a leader in that secondary room. We have good corners in that room, but in the safety rooms specifically, he's going to have to be the vet and, I am hoping and believe that he'll step up to the plate and lead that secondary to have a solid season to make up for two really, really awesome safeties leaving. I like that. I like that. And leading up to our question about the next question about Dax Hill, is Dax Hill ready to take the next step in year two, knowing that this year is going to be year one of his first season in NFL starting. And I believe he will. And then, I think that when you're talking about Nick Scott, I think signing Nick Scott is going to benefit Dax Hill because Nick Scott's been in the pros and he played for the Rams. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams, unfortunately, but he was a valid asset to that team on defense. Nick Scott's a very solid player. And throughout camp and throughout the offseason, Nick Scott said that Dax Hill is ready and Dax Hill has been learning through him. And watching Dax play a couple of the preseason games, especially against the Packers, he had a great defensive play where Dax Hill has such closing speed. And if he just gets out there a lot this year, which he will, obviously, and show what he is capable of, and I think that he's going to have a solid year. He's going to have moments where we're going to be like, fucking Dax. And that's going to happen, okay? It's his first year starting. But I think he's going to have a solid year. What about you? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, he fucking better be. <laughs> be ready. And 
really just because there there really is no other option. Either yeah. either he's going to be really good or we're going to get absolutely destroyed on whatever side of the field he happens to be on. He's coming from a really, really strong Big Ten program. He's a first-round draft pick, and you get to sit, not like entirely, but sit and learn the ropes for a year from some veteran safeties who are some of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. I would say that I would honestly be disappointed if he is not good this year. I don't need him to be a pro bowler. I don't need him to be insane, but it would be a disappointment coming from, it's not even his rookie year. He's coming from Michigan who had a really good defense. And I know he's young, but I would say it would be a little bit of a disappointment if he wasn't really good or wasn't solid this year, but I am pretty confident that he's going to be solid. Like you said, yeah, I love that answer. Like we don't want you to be an, all pro. I mean, fuck, that would be great. I mean, Jesus Christ. But just be a solid player out in the field. And Dax Hill has that potential. That's the reason why we drafted him last season in the first round. I hope Dax takes that next step. Like I said, there's going to be moments where we're going to be saying fucking A with Dax, but hopefully those moments don't happen a lot. If it does, then we got a problem there. <laughs> yeah, and this might help him a little bit. Like there, there were so many times, not so many. Eli Apple had a good year last year, but there were times where you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what, yeah. where are you? What are you looking at? Like you're running a completely different play than the rest of this defense. And when you're a safety, it's a little easier to get away with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I would say because you're not on an Island against anybody. When that stuff happens, when Eli Apple would, have bad plays it was usually just him getting roasted over the top and it can definitely still happen as a safety but it's less obvious watching on television if he's if he if it's his fault or the corner's fault and so he might get a little bit of leeway and grace from that at least from watching on tv but i'm i'm excited for him i'm ready for him to step in and fill that role and I, I'm sure he'll have a pretty awesome season this year. I hope so too, man. I I love Eli Apple's time here. Obviously, when he got burnt a lot, at times when he got burnt, it's like, what are we doing, Eli? But overall, he had a good time here in Cincinnati. A very, very solid, solid time in Cincinnati. After saying that, I'm so glad Cheeto's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big time. And I... <laughs> There are times where I I try. Last year, I made a vow on this podcast last year that I would be nicer to Lou Anarumo and Zach Taylor. And I will continue my vow for this year where there were so many times a couple years ago where we would I would text you and get so annoyed that we wouldn't make any defensive adjustments until the second half. So we would just go down by 25 <laughs> points in the first half, and it would make me so mad. And then we would come out and allow three points the rest of the game. I was like, why did we not do this earlier? And I know that's, it's not, it doesn't work. I know it doesn't work like that. And so I'm just messing around when I say that. But like, I know from those experiences and how we make adjustments that Lou Anarumo is a really, really good coach and believe that he has all of the tools to make Dax Hill a really good football player. Absolutely. Trust in Ludini. He is just a master scientist. I'm so glad. Right. Oh, my gosh. I thought he was going to take that Arizona Cardinal coaching job. Thank God he didn't because that's going to be a, a shit storm. Oh, 
oh my god, that's gonna be an absolute shit show in the desert over there in Arizona. Oh man, and we get to play them too over there. I think in week, yeah. week eight or something like that. Oh, golly. If that's the game we lose, um, I don't, dude. I'm, you, dude, you won't. I won't do a podcast that week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they, they just named Josh Dobbs as their starting quarterback for week one. That's, yeah, that's, uh, and Josh Dobbs is not a scrub, but no, he's a backup. Let's exactly. Be, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh god. All right. Next question. Looking at the schedule for this season, what is the toughest stretch for this team? I would say after the bye week on October 22nd, ironically on my birthday, so no Bengals game on my birthday, fucking A, then you have at the 49ers, and then you have the Bills game here at Paycor on Sunday night, and you get the Texans, so that should be an easy game, should, and then you have a Thursday night football tilt in Baltimore against the Ravens. That's going to be an important stretch. If the Bengals can come out of that at... Mm, three and one. That's that, I'll take that to the bank. Four and oh, oh man, we are cooking. We're coming after that one seed. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have two different two different options. My nice. my first glance at the schedule is the same set that you just put. We have 49ers in San Francisco. Sunday night football against the Bills, even though it's at home, it's still a Sunday night football game. The Bills are still a really good team, even if we have been able to beat them. And then we get the Texans as a little palate cleanser. And then we have the Ravens on Thursday night football in Baltimore. That's a tough three out of those four are, are not going to be easy games. And two of those are going to be especially tough. The, the Ravens and the 49ers. I could see someone making the case for the last three weeks of the year being the toughest only because we have two division games Mm -hmm. and at the chiefs two games left. So it's, you know, two divisional games and the chiefs. And while I'm very excited for us to hopefully be in a really good spot and they won't matter as much, it's very possible that the division could be on the line when those games come around and we might need to win two or three of those games to we might need two or three of those to be W's to either win the division or hopefully it doesn't come to this, make the playoffs at all. And so I, I wish the last three games were an easier slate. I think Kenny Pickett's going to settle into himself and they're not going to be an excellent team this year. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll probably be, in the hunt for the playoffs for most of the year, but not, I I don't think that they're going to make it. And so I don't know. I I would say the, on, on paper, that first four stretch that you mentioned is the toughest in terms of teams, but that last three weeks could end up being really complicated just because of the implications of losing any of those three games. The good news for just looking at the schedule We get nine home games this year instead of eight, which is great. And I don't know if you noticed this. The most road games we ever have in a row is two. Is that something they tried to change this year so that no one has like long road stretches? Because we only ever have to go on the road twice in a row, which is awesome. Oof. Wow. I did not I did not realize that while looking at the schedule. 
And now I'm seeing it right now. Wow. Just only two in a row. I'll take that. And it's only twice. It's like it's weeks yeah. four and five against the Titans and Cardinals, which like who gives a shit, right? And then later on at the very end, it's at Steelers at Chiefs, which are two in a row. And that's it. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Nine games at Paycor and then no no extended road trip. I'll take that. I'll take right. that to the bank. Now, going back to your tough stretch for the schedule, I, you know what? Now looking back, I'm like, yeah, at the Steelers, at the Chiefs, and then you end the season against the Browns. Man, that Steeler game is going to be tough, obviously. You can never count out a Mike Tomlin coach football team. I can see the Steelers winning nine games this year. Yep. And can it pick it's going to make a step in year two. And then that Chiefs game on New Year's Eve, that potentially could decide the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. Oh, yeah. Mm. I just think that the reason why I picked the Niners, Bills, Ravens stretch is just because if you can get wins in those games, if you can go like, if you go three and one, I mean, that sets yourself up great, you know, throughout the season and get those wins now. And then the Chiefs game will just likely decide the one seed you know i just yeah that's that was i mean that stretch was my first first glance pick as well because those are three really really good football teams that we're gonna have to play against and then one that will probably be good in a couple years yeah 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 i like that i like that okay okay good 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 all right so how many wins you see for this team that's the next question and I have them going 12 and 5. And now here are the L's are going to be. They're going to lose to the Niners. They're going to lose the second meeting against the Ravens. I had them losing at Jacksonville, the Monday night game. And then I had them losing the second meeting against the Steelers. That's a Saturday game in late December on NBC. And then the week 17 showdown against the Chiefs on New Year's Eve that potentially will probably determine home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. I have that as a loss. Oh, like damn! I want the Bengals to have the one seed, but in my NFL predictions podcast last week, I said that the Bengals are going to be the two seed, regardless. So I'm winning the Super Bowl, obviously. But twelve and five, I think that's a reasonable record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, mine's not far off. I have eleven and six. Okay. When I was looking at the schedule, my guess was eleven. And, or I believe 11 and six will be the record plus or minus two games though, is probably reasonable. And a mm-hmm. minus two would mean we would go nine and eight, which would be terrible. And there'd be zero chance that we make the playoffs. So let's not say, let's not even entertain that as an option. Damn. I have our losses because I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win a couple of the really tough tests. I think we're going to lose a couple stupid games. <laughs> um, and so I, I have us losing at the Browns. I have us oh, God. losing at home against the Ravens. Oh, God. Which, don't worry. I have us going on a four-game win streak after that. Um, I have us losing against the 49ers. Have us losing again against the Ravens on Thursday Night Football. And then I have us losing at the Steelers and then at the Chiefs. So I still have us beating... The Browns, when they come home later, I have us beating the Jags that week. 
I have us beating the Bills when we play them. And then I have us beating um, the Seahawks and the Titans, who won't be cakewalks um, either. So we'll win some tough games. We'll be pretty battle-tested. I'm, I'm confident of that before going into the playoffs. 11 is where I landed, 11-6, but it wouldn't surprise me if we got 10, and it wouldn't surprise me if we got 13, to be honest. Oh, and to the beginning of year two division losses. Don't panic. don't panic, Jesse. It's okay. I'm not panicking. <laughs> I just don't want them to lose those division games, man. Not I'm not, not we might I'm not, I, I get it. You don't have the Bengals winning division. You have the Ravens. I mean, fuck. You have the Ravens winning the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I get I hear you. <laughs> probably stupid. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm going to get made fun of, I think, by the end of this. They're going to – I'm going to put too much hype on them. They're going to end up winning nine games and embarrass me. But that's okay because that would mean that we won the division, likely. Oh, man. I do not want to start 0-2. But, okay, I, I'm not I'm not going to panic if they start 0-2. I'm just going to be, like, so pissed off that we lost two straight division games to open the season. That's going to piss me off because – That would suck. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Final question, and this is gonna I, I have fun with this. Me too. What's your craziest Bengals prediction for the season? All right, I'm gonna go with mine. <laughs> All right. So six players in the 99 year of the National Football League have had 300 or more receiving yards in a game. The record is held by Flipper Anderson. What a name. <laughs> Flipper <laughs> Anderson. I don't know. So he had 336 yards in the game and a touchdown while playing for the Los Angeles Rams in the game. In the, okay, did they win that game? Yeah, they won over the New Orleans Saints back in November 26th of 1989. You ready for this? How the hell do you get 336 yards and only get in the end zone one time? I don't know, dude. Flipper, you know, he probably averaged like, I don't know, 40. <laughs> 40.3 yards per game. That's or yards, whatever. Jamar Chase will break it. Oh. He's going to have Cardinals. over. You heard me? Gets the Cardinals? It could be the Cardinals. Okay. It's probably going to be either against the Cardinals or the Cardinals. Yeah. That's all I see. <laughs> or maybe not the Texans. I think the Texans have a decent defense. I say the Cardinals. Yeah. Over 336 yards. The last 300-yard receiving game was Julio Jones when he was when he was with Atlanta back in 2016 against the Panthers on October 20 on October 2nd, and then Calvin Johnson had 329 in 2013 when he played for the Lions against the Cowboys. <laughs> Damn, I know, right? 300 receiving yards in a game is so rare. Six players have only done it. Jamar Chase will be number seven. If he does that, I'm gonna cash that people twenty bucks. <laughs> you heard it here. Oh, yeah, twenty bucks. And fuck, I gotta put in some more hours at work then. <laughs> um. Okay, I. You know, I didn't even think about something like that, and I mean, the Cardinals are really bad, man. Like. That could happen. Like, it wouldn't be a crazy <laughs> thing. Or, like, 
I, I it would be awesome if it was Jamar Chase. If someone who someone against the Cardinals this year is could do that for sure. Uh, <laughs> man, we're still trashing the Cardinals on this podcast. <laughs> it's gonna be a tough year, I think. Um, okay, I'm I'm gonna the, I'm gonna say it, but like. I'm already regretting saying it. This is maybe the stupidest hot take that I think I've had in a long time. I am going to say that the Bengals will have two offensive linemen make the Pro Bowl. I don't think that's stupid to say. I think Orlando Brown could get there. And uh-huh. either Alex Kappa or Ted Karras, if they're both healthy, could e- one of those could easily make the playoffs. Or, sorry, the Pro Bowl. And... We've we've had a tough stretch with the offensive line recently, and it's possible. Who knows? Maybe Jonah gets the kick in the pants he needed, and he has an awesome season and realizes that right tackle is his place to be. I don't know. I'm pretty confident Orlando Brown will be one of the two, but after not having a Pro Bowl offensive lineman in quite some time, I believe that we're gonna have we're gonna up it to two of them this year and let Joe Burrow actually uh, do his thing back there. I like that. I don't think that's a crazy prediction at all. That could potentially happen if the cards, you know, fall in its place. I like that. Okay. All yeah, right. I'm giving a little optimism to the offensive line to start the year this year. Sure. We, they need the they, they need all the optimism they're going to get because they're going to be facing off against Miles Garrett in fucking three days. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. It, I think that's more likely to happen than Jamar Chase going for over 336 receiving yards. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. if he does that, oh my God, that's just, I think Chase is capable, man. I could, I mean, he had a cup. I, well, I don't know. I'd have to pull it up, but he had more than one 200 yard game his rookie year, right? Yep, against the Ravens, and then the Chiefs game, he went for 266 and three touchdowns. Right. So, in that Cardinals game, he needs to have, like, four touchdowns of, like, 50-plus. And, then you, know, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, I don't know, my math is wrong on that. But either way, man, either way, you know what? Say if we do, if he, oh, man, we're going to. This whole bashing the Cardinals, it's going to end up to bite us in the ass, and the Cardinals are going to up. We're going to lose. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everybody's going to go back to this podcast. It's like, you motherfuckers. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I stand by it. I think if we played with Jake Browning, we'd beat them. Damn. Man, the Cardinals are that bad. Whew. Damn, damn, damn. All right. So let's do – that's it for the questions. Let's do a quick preview of – Sunday's game in Cleveland against the Browns. One o'clock on Sunday on CBS, Battle of Ohio. Zach Taylor has never won in Cleveland. He is 0-4. He's going to try to become the first coach. He'll try to avoid becoming the first Bengals coach to go 0-5. Here's my quick preview, and here's what it's going to take to win in Cleveland. The pass rush of the Browns has been obviously been a problem for Joe Burr in his time as an NFL quarterback, led by Miles Garrett. And also, the Zadarius Smith is good. In five games, Burr has played against the Browns in his career. This man has been sacked 19 times. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> right. Bad. So the O line, I, I will be okay if they allowed three sacks in this game. If it's over, if it's more than five, I'm going to be like, are we really? That means the Browns are probably going to win the game. I don't want that shit to happen. 
And then obviously, you got a key on Nick Chubb in the first meeting last season in Cleveland on Halloween night on Monday Night Football, where the Browns shitted on the Bengals. He went for 23 carries, 101 rushing yards on the ground, and two rushing touchdowns. In the second meeting in Cincinnati, he was locked up to only 14 carries, 34 yards. He only averaged 2.4 average yards per rush, and it was led by DJ Reader and company. So if Nick Chubb goes under 100 yards rushing, I think the Bengals have a shot to win. And then Deshaun Watson, I think he'll be better this year. He's still an asshole, but I still, I still think he's going to be better this year. And on the road in week one, you have to get off to a fast start, set the turn early. You can't fall behind like you did last year up there. If you do, then fuck, we're going to get smacked again. And then for some reason, this game has the feel of a Joe Mixon type of game. In the second meeting against the Browns last year, he had 14 carries, 96 yards. And you're probably saying, right, that's not enough. But he averaged 6.9 average per, per rush. And that was coming off where he missed the previous two games with a concussion injury. So I think Joe Mixon can have a really solid game to begin year seven for him. And my prediction it's going to be a physical, as always, type of AFC North battle rivalry game. And I have the Bengals winning, shocker, 23-17. All right. I love those. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of those. I could see Joe Mixon having a good day, too. I could see them getting so focused on our, our passing ability that they just neglect to do anything about the run. So we'll see. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I have some some keys to the game. I have a, a fun to watch and then an in, a couple interesting ones. So okay. the keys, how does the offensive line hold up against Miles Garrett, Dalvin Tomlinson, the crew? That, like you mentioned, and will probably, at least for the first few games, be the storyline going into every single game, which is going to be how does the new offensive line look together and how can they handle some serious pass rushers. Second key would be how healthy is the Browns defense going to be for this game? This is something that now once they switched the injury thing from not doing probable anymore, where everybody's questionable or healthy, it's like kind of confusing to know like the severity of some of these things. But two days ago, when I checked, when I, I wrote this note down on Tuesday of this week, there were 10 people on the Browns defense that had a questionable mark next to them. It's only three now, but and I don't know the severity of these. It's basically a, a backup lineman, but Denzel Ward and Juan Thornhill still both have cues next to their names right now. And so those might be super minor things that are not a big deal at all. But if health is going to be an issue for them in week one, especially at some of the big secondary spots like that, we might be able to take advantage, um, which could help us win a game. Fun to watch, uh, Jamar Chase versus Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is a really good corner. Jamar Chase is a really good receiver. That's going to be a battle all game. As, I don't know if Denzel Ward usually picks a side of the field or if he follows, but if he follows Chase, it should be a really fun one. Even if he's against Higgins, it should be a fun matchup too because he's a good corner. A couple interesting things would be there's a lot, a lot of new faces on the Browns defense for this year. And if you want to call it luck, we might get lucky that we play them in week one when they don't have amazing chemistry quite yet. 
their defense is probably going to be very, very solid by the end of this year. And who knows, maybe they come out week one and it's already really solid and give us hell for the entire 60 minutes that we're in this game. But we, who knows, we, we might kind of catch a break with getting them in week one if they don't quite have the chemistry that they need yet. So just something to watch. Kind of like you said, Deshaun Watson, obviously an asshole, but like, will he ever return to his 2019-2020 success? In the 2020 season, he threw for 4,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, and only seven picks. And I, for one, would love if he was never that good again. And because it would mean it wouldn't be against us. And so (laughs) I'm hoping that he does not realize that he's that good for this week. And but just interesting to see how he comes out um, this year. And then my last key, will the Bengals be able to control the tempo of this game? This is probably the biggest key for us, I would say. With how good Nick Chubb is, they really do have the ability to just slow down the game a ton and just keep Burrow on the sideline. Yeah. Strategy that a lot of teams have used against Mahomes the last few years, and it can work if you can – just run the ball, keep moving the chains, and not even let Burrow get out there to play a whole lot during the game. It makes it a lot easier for them to win the game, and it keeps our defense really tired. By the fourth quarter, those legs are going to get really tired if they're having to tackle Chubb 30 times a game. And so we need to be able to control the tempo. We have to be able to play our game and not just surrender to the type of game that they want to play. We need to make them... I mean, it would be perfect if we could get up to a not huge lead, but a, a good enough lead by halftime that they have to throw the ball a lot more. Not that Deshaun Watson is incapable of throwing it, but if if Burrow's on the sideline, it makes it a lot harder um, to for us to win because he's, he's the reason we win games. We have a lot of good players on this team. Defense is really solid, but if the defense is getting tired out early on because Chubb's just running it back to back, it's going to be a lot tougher. So I'm hoping we can control the tempo. I'm hoping the offensive line holds up great. And then I'm hoping that everyone on our side stays healthy. And if uh, Denzel Ward or Juan Thornhill decided that they were a little too hurt to play week one, I would be all right with that. Man, Denzel Ward, all great points, sir. Denzel Ward has had concussion problems ever since he's been in the NFL. But he did practice, I believe, today. So he's on track to play on Sunday. And I like when you said controlling the tempo. In the games that we've lost to the Browns with Joe Burr, the Browns have just set the tempo with their running game and turnovers, man, turnovers. I don't know if you remember the game in 2021 where the Browns were here. And we were driving the ball. We got the ball to begin the game. We were driving the ball. We got the ball first and goal. I think it was third and goal. I'm sorry, from the five-yard line. And then Joe Burrow threw that pick six to Denzel Ward that went like 101 yards, something like that. And even though we came back and scored in the next drive, it was just like, damn, that was that was a, that was a deflator right there because we were controlling the game. I mean, we're controlling the first two drives of the game, and that pick six, and then Nick Chubb had a long run for a touchdown, and then Peoples-Jones crushed us. For some reason, (laughs) Donovan Peoples-Jones always has a career game against Cincinnati. Makes no sense. And then Amari Cooper, who is a really good receiver in this league, 
had a great game in the first meeting last year. <clears throat> it's just these type of players from the Browns, I'm not calling them scrubs, but for some reason, whenever they played Cincinnati, they just have a career day. And I'm not having that. And that shit better not happen on Sunday. So controlling the tempo. I think this is a game where Joe Burr, he I don't want him to throw for over 350. It's not the type of game he should be going for over 350. I think this has the feel of like last year's game where we won in Cincinnati, where the running game set the tone and then our defense was just on point, especially in the run game. And then our corners played well. Cam Taylor Britt had that breakout game against the Browns. It just had that type of feel of that game. So if we can get that tempo going with that feel, then I have a good feeling the Bengals will come out of Cleveland with a win. But if the Browns come out running the football well and Nick Chubb just like averaging five yards per rush and, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's not getting any pressure and, uh, hey, God, yeah, our pass rush needs to be better this year. And Agreed. it needs to be better. So I'm, I do not want to see – Deshaun Watson just sitting there in the pocket, just like, you know, got no rushers coming after me. And it's just, that's a recipe for disaster. So, yeah, I know you have the Browns winning because you have us going 0 2 to begin the year, anyways. <laughs> I, yeah, I, oh man, I'm, yeah, I predicted, <laughs> I predicted us to lose because it's a way and we tend to struggle with the Browns. But right. the more I think about it, I'm like, we're going to win, right? Right, right, right. It won't surprise me if we lose this game, but I think the Bengals want to start off fast this year because they know the importance of getting that one seed in the AFC playoffs. And obviously you wanted to win the division first, but man, having home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs, coming having the teams come to Paycor Stadium, it's going to help a lot if they want to get back to the Super Bowl this year. All right, sir. It's been a pleasure having you on this podcast, and I just can't wait to just talk Bengals football with you all season long. And after every Bengals game, there's always going to be an instant reaction podcast. So 10 minutes after this Browns game end, you guys were here for me. And Tommy, you're going to probably join me in one of these instant reaction podcasts this season, but you're obviously going to be joining me throughout the week, recapping these games and I just can't wait to do it with you, my guy. Got anything else before we sign off and watch the Chiefs and Lions opening kickoff game? That's about to happen real soon. <laughs> no, I'm just excited that NFL is back. I'm excited the Bengals are back. I'm excited to do this many more times throughout the year. And I will normally, I, I always make a vow that I'm not going to text you until at least next time. <laughs> I am not I am not gonna follow that during week one because I'm gonna be too excited. So you're gonna you're gonna get plenty of texts from me on, on Sunday. Yeah, we do this all the time. If you all don't know this, like me and Tommy will text during games and like throughout the season we were like, okay, let's just let's just chill out a little bit, but we can't. Now <laughs> try so hard. I know on Sunday, here's the deal. I think that on Sunday I'm gonna text you, but I'm not gonna be like texting you like 10 straight messages be like oh what the fuck is this like what the fuck we're doing blah 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 blah. no 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 no. and it's gonna be here and there but i just can't promise that because i just get so into the game that i just have thoughts in my mind and i just like text them to you (laughs) hey it's it's week one we'll we'll get rid of that rule for this week oh i hope so man i hope so all right man it's been a pleasure i'll talk to you 
on Sunday, and you'll be back on the pod next week. And same time next week, right? See you then. All right. All right, guys. I will talk to you guys on Sunday for the Instant Reaction Podcast. And we are out. Peace. And also, who they? Duh. <laughs> who they?